Welcome to another episode of the Zenpreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want more money and less stress. The Zenpreneur Podcast is hosted by serial entrepreneur and high-performance coach Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share the insights, strategies, and habits that allow you to grow your business with peace of mind so you can enjoy more wealth and freedom. Learn how to build the mindset and habits you need to find the balance between a successful business and a thriving personal life. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Hello and welcome, my wonderful human beings. This is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Welcome to the Zenpreneur Podcast. Today, I have the plum-pleasing pleasure of welcoming back my brother, friend, coach, William Griffin. William is a master coach. William is somebody that truly embodies selling over serving. He's coached me. He's helped me take my business to a whole new level. He's a very powerful leader. He's a master in sales. And he is somebody who is leading the conscious change in entrepreneurship. And today we get to tune in into a powerful and highly valuable conversation. So if you are a coach, consultant, consultant uh, or an agency owner, and you have a high ticket offer, take out your journal, take out a piece of uh, a pen and write everything down. Listen to this podcast a few times because you're going to get so much value today that if you apply this, it will catapult your business to a whole new level. William, my friend, welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited Thank to have you. you. Thank you so much. You know what you should say next time is get out your checkbook, not your notepad and pen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for having me back. Excited. Very, very excited. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. So for those of, those of us that know you, you talk about love a lot. Whenever you send voice messages on WhatsApp or you write emails or on your social media, you mentioned the, the word love in any sentence like three, four times easily. And I want to know why you do that. Secretly, I'm just craving for love, Mario. Um, <laughs> it's a very good question. Do you know what? I actually, if you go onto my Instagram, I've tagged one, I think I've only tagged one video and it's of me giving a little soliloquy about love. Um, why do I say love so much? Well, I think it's, it's my favorite word in the world. I just love love. It's the, it's the highest pursuit of life as far as I'm concerned. Mm. And um, I don't necessarily know why and or when I started to say love so much, but I certainly remember that I used to have some sort of, I guess to a degree I still do, but I don't succumb to anymore. You know, I just got off a phone with somebody um, a personal stylist in Singapore who I'm going to meet up with and just uh, I thought I don't like shopping and she's going to uh, anyway I just outsourced that which is quite fun and um, we just had a 15 minute intro call and at the end of it I said sending you so much love and I know I know that she probably won't say it back afterwards because it's one of those things where you don't say to just a random stranger hey sending you love but I kind of feel that that should change actually um, and I think that you know I didn't say I love you um, but I said, I'm sending you love. I think it's quite a nice thing to send someone. Mm. Mm. There's a lot in what you said that, that we can unpack. I mean, one, you truly are leading the shift, the paradigm shift that is taking over the world. 
from an egoic point of view, which is all about manipulation, competition, getting getting ahead to a more heart-based uh, focus, which to some people may sound fluff, may sound weak, but if you really dive deeper into it, it's the most powerful way of living life. And it's interesting because you say, you know, when you say to people sending you love, you what you're really saying underneath that is I love you. However, saying I love you comes with so much. I mean, what if you were to say to every stranger, I love you? Would that be, how would that be perceived? What would that do? Right? And I personally can attest that saying I love you, even in different languages, for me saying I love you in English is easier than saying I love you in German. And I'm curious, like, what is your evolution of love looked like over the past years? Because you've done a lot of inner work, right? You really embody a lot of that. You, you teach your clients that you've taught me a lot about that. And I'm curious to learn a little bit about more of the evolution that you went through in the relationship with love. Wow. That's a great question. My goodness. I didn't know where to begin. Um, thank you so much. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a, a leader in this new paradigm, but thank you very much. I shall I shall wear that badge um, mm -hmm. and try and do it justice. Um, where have I been in my evolution of love? My goodness. Wow. I don't know where to answer that question. It's a great one. Thank you. Hmm. I think the way I can answer it, if I think I can answer it this way, is... I think the older I get, the more I realize what's important and what isn't important. Mm. And I remember seeing this TV show once and it was, I think it was of, you know, middle-aged people basically giving advice to teenagers. And one thing, I, remember, I was a teenager at the time. I remember this one woman said, when you're a teenager, you really, really care what other people think about you. And then when you get older, you don't care. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think when I was younger, my preoccupations were trying to be cool, trying to fit in, trying to work out who I am. And, and, I, and I cared more about what people thought about me. And the older I get, the more I realize that the game of life is a self-love game. And it's a game of, of embodying love as well as self-love. And in order to give love, you need to be filled with love. So it is a self-love game as well. And I think within that, is reducing the importance one gives on how much um, importance they put on other people's opinions about you. Mm. And consequently, I know that I have far less reservations of saying I love you or sending you love to a stranger than I used to, because spreading love is far more important, actually. And yeah, maybe it's also Maybe it's also where me rebelling, because I kind of know that people feel a little bit awkward when I say it. <laughs> <clears throat> and so it makes me want to say it even more. It's like, I shouldn't say it, shouldn't say it, but I want to. Mm. But I know that's not answer your question. Where have I been in my evolution of love? I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin now. I'm still on an evolution of love. Yeah. Um, that is a lifelong, multi-lifelong pursuit. And I have, a, I have a long way to go, a very, very long way to go. I think where I'm at now on my journey of love is to start to notice how loving I am in all of my being and where my shortcomings are. And it's much easier for me to find out where my shortcomings are. And 
you know, in order for one, let's say that the highest pursuit is to embody unconditional love. Well, that means reacting in your thoughts and your actions in a loving way, no matter what. And I certainly notice that I have a long way to come, even in my mind, the thoughts that I think of and how impure my thoughts are. If somebody annoys me, the things I might say in my mind about them. Um, so I think where I'm at now is a deeper awareness of my shortcomings, I would say, actually. Um, and the more I realize actually how, how deep the journey is to become um, a being who embodies unconditional love. And my goodness, do I have a way to go. And I think last time, pretty much every single time I get on a podcast, I'm talking about the Hare Krishnas um, because they're just so, there's a Swami in the Hare Krishnas called Radnahath Swami. And essentially one way to look at the Hare Krishna philosophy is they are servants of love. And their whole entire philosophy really is a philosophy on love from one vantage point and to be a servant of love. And there's one Swami in that organization who's Jay Shetty's Swami. It's called Radnah Swami. It's incredible. And I've had the blessing to meet him a few times. And when I'm in his presence, or even if you're just watching him, for me, especially when I'm in his presence, I shake. I should really, I lose myself. There's, this is power. And he is the most humble servant of love I have ever conceived or witnessed and when i compare myself to somebody like him i realize i am the very 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 bottom of the pile actually mm -hmm. because i feel that in order to fully fully embody what it means to be a servant of unconditional love you have to completely give up all the desires of the ego and and instead utilize everything that you have all of your talents, all of your skills, your whole being, your thoughts, your actions, everything in service of unconditional love. And when you do that, as my understanding goes, that's when you, when, that's when your, your actions become purified. That's when you actually are an embodiment of love because you choose love in every moment. And my goodness, Mario, do I have a, I got lifetimes, my good sir, lifetimes and lifetimes of upgrades to go. Well, did I answer your question? Yes, you did. And, you know, you opened up a whole new array for us to dive into. And, you know, at this point, I do want to say to our listeners, bear with us. Yes, this is a business podcast. And yes, we dove into a conversation about love and you might be like, oh, it's a bit fluffy, you know, okay, you know, what's about all the value for business? We'll get there. Well, we're setting the stage on how what we're talking about now is the key, the key, capital, the key for getting anything in life that you want. And I want to ask you because we're talking about love what's your definition of love you're not making it easy on me this time are you no. My goodness. <laughs> <clears throat> i have a way in for the key of how it relates to entrepreneurs if you'd like to go down that road at any moment um wow what is my definition of love i don't have one there we are that's my answer <laughs> i'm just gonna be really honest with you i don't have one i don't have one 
Yeah. I might be able to make one up on the spot, fumbling around, but I definitely don't have one. Yeah. I think if I were to to play in the arena, it would have something to do with with um, unity and oneness mm. and realizing that we are all one. Yeah. And that's the reason why service is so key in business, in life, in spirituality. Because fundamentally, we are one. And when we realize we're one, we realize we're not separate. <clears throat> that's when we stop competing. And instead, we start creating life for all, more life for all. There's a, there's a wonderful um, book, which is only about 77 pages long. It's called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Wattles. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like one of the early, very, very early manifestation books. Are we still a little bit too woo-woo? Let's bring it back. And it's talking about how you can, um, essentially talking about how you manifest something. And he had, and especially money. And he has this wonderful distinction in there between what he calls a creator or a competitor. And he says, fundamentally, people who compete, competitors, they don't believe in abundance. They don't believe that there is an abundance of money or resources mm. or anything out there. And therefore they compete with their fellow man. Yes. But creators are in harmony with the vibration, the thought, the belief that there is abundance. And therefore, instead of competing, they create more life for all. And um, I think it's all interconnected, really, with this idea of oneness and service, fundamentally, and how service is connected, really, to, to good business as well. You know, there's a, there's a beautiful clip from Jeff Bezos, I know, uh, we've we discussed before, where, and I think even one of the principles of Amazon was we are obsessed with our customers. We're obsessed with our customers. Yeah. And I believe that one of the reasons why, um, excuse me, and I believe as a result of that obsession of giving the best possible service to those customers they possibly could, Amazon actually made a loss for the first decade. But now look at them. Who's, who's taking on Amazon? No one. That's such a good point. And that, you know, that's how we are moving into why this is so important. And I do want to bring in something that has changed my entire life. This one definition of love, because my coach who's currently coaching me, my new coach is a landmark forum leader. And when I was in the landmark forum, I had a conversation about love and compassion. And he asked me, you know, what's my definition of love? Similar to you, I was like, I don't really have one, but you know, it's about this and that. And he said, would you like to know my definition of love? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, love is to accept somebody exactly as they are and exactly as they aren't. Everything else is romantic bullshit. And I was like, damn, that is so true. Because if we bring in the conversation about unconditional love, which is the idea of divine love, right? The, the God, the only way that God can love is unconditionally because everything is a creation of God. So everything deserves, uh, uh, deserves to be loved as it is, right? God, in the idea of God, would never look at a tree and say, ah, that tree is a little leaning towards the left. That's not right. You know, let's just get it back to the center. The egoic, the human mind, might say that. Oh, I don't like that tree. It's not, it's not looking nice. Let's cut it down. Oh, this looks better. Right? So in that, we can ask ourselves if we, how 
the de- we can look at the degree of love that we have for for people, for ourselves, for life in general, because we can all get it to the place of acceptance. Am I accepting that William is the way that William is, or do I have a story in my head that says, "Yeah, but William should be a little bit more like that, or a little bit less like that." And to your point of you know a long way to go, I feel if we look at it from that perspective. We all know that we still have quite a way to go of removing the resistance that we have and accepting somebody as they are and, and, and also where they are in life. And I feel that can lead us right into the business conversation. And you touched on it, right? Amazon making their number one priority customer service, service essentially. With that, the first 10 years, they were at a loss. Now, They are unreachable. They are in a category of their own. Nobody can even try to compete with them. Um, it, would, it would be a joke to try that, right? Why? Because they use service. So I would love for you to take that and lead us from into the conversation of selling. How is service contributing to helping an entrepreneur sell more of what they have to offer to the world. Mm, thank you so much. I love this. I think, I can't remember where I heard this. Maybe it was from um, an old school sales um, teacher called Zig Ziglar. It's incredible. Mm. It's a book called The Secrets of Closing the Sale. I think it was him. And he said, really, you're not a salesperson. What you are is an assistant buyer. And what that means is, is your job isn't there, isn't to sell somebody that they, that they don't need, can't use and don't want and just manipulate them. What your job is, is to help somebody make the right decision for them, no matter the outcome. Mm. And that is certainly the underpinning of my philosophy when it comes to sales. You are there to find out who is this person? Where are they? Where do they want to go? What's in the way? And do you have a product or service that can satisfy their needs? Something I learned from Jay Abraham. You see, I love this. He says. More, more than that, actually, what you need is you need to sell them the exact amount that they need, the exact amount that they need. If somebody comes up to you into the desert and they're dying of thirst and, you know, they, they just told you they've got a five day journey ahead with no water. You would wrong them if you just sold them one glass of water to quench their thirst. Now, mm. what you need to do is find out exactly how far they're going, how long it's going to take them and send them their five day supply. Now, if you were to send them 10 days supply, you've also wronged them because you've given them too much. So your job, fundamentally, and it makes everything so much easier. I find, you know, one of the fastest ways to bypass um, any mindset limitations, especially for sending your own services to somebody, is to get out of your own head. Stop thinking about what you want. And actually, and stop trying to think, stop getting in, in your, stop, stop trying to work out what questions to ask and getting in your mind about your performance. No, no, forget all of that. Instead, Focus on the person in front of you and get inside their world. Find out what they really want. Their deep down goal behind the goal, behind the goal, behind the goal, behind the goal. And then if and only if you have something to, to serve them with, let them know about it. And what you'll find is, is that if you focus on them, you will ask the best questions. You won't need to take many notes because you were there with them. You're deeply engaged. Yeah. And it becomes so much easier to speak to them, sell to them and serve them because you know them and you see them and you understand them. Hmm. 
so, and, and that's such a radically different approach to what most entrepreneurs out there are, are doing, right? They're, they're trying to, there's this paradigm. You taught me this. You have a different paradigm. There's this ABC, always be closing. And there are books and movies and documentaries and you know, billion dollar industries built on always be closing. And somebody listening to this right now might be like, yeah, of course, you should always be closing. Now, your philosophy is always be serving. So can you talk about the difference between always be closing, always be serving, and why you think that always be serving is way more effective in growing a business? Thank you. There's many, many, many ways that this can be dimensionalized. I think the idea is this, is that, you know, um, God, there's so many ways we can approach this. How exciting. Thank you. <laughs> Fundamentally, let's just have a look very, very high level. The, the type of salesperson who's embodying always be closing is essentially after them. And they just want to get as much money as they possibly can. The person who's always be serving is very much focused on their clients and serving their clients. Now, in the long run, who's going to win? In the short term... The guy who just wants to close might make the most money that week. But if he is selling the wrong thing to the wrong person, you're more likely to get, I think the statistic, which is if you sell something or if you wrong a customer, they'll go away and tell nine people. But if you do a great job, they'll probably tell three, mm. which means bad word of mouth compounds drastically quickly, drastically quickly. So just from one, from one angle to save your business, don't do that. The second thing is the best businesses in the world are the ones that offer the most value. And in order to offer the most value, you need to offer the best service. And in order to really offer the best service, you need to actually care, actually care. As Jess Bezos says, be obsessed of your clients. And when you obsess of your clients, the imagery I like to I conceive of is almost like a butler who is so obsessed with serving his lord or his king that he or, or a great PA, they're just so inside your mind. They've already taken care. They've already bought Sally's birthday present because you forget every single year. They already know what to buy. Da, 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 da. And they serve you. They're indispensable. They are indispensable. That PA that is two steps ahead of you <clears throat> because she knows you so well, because she is obsessed with serving you is priceless. You're not going to repay her. You, excuse me, you're not going to replace her. Yeah. It's the same thing. The more we give, the more we receive. We can play, you know, we can open this up to the realm of spirituality. But if you just open, which we won't, let's say now, but if you just think about it in terms of common sense, if I sell you something and you bloody love it and over-delivered, and then I ask you for a referral, you're going to want to give me referrals. And when you go and speak about me, you're going to go, fuck, it was amazing. Not like, yeah, you should probably check them out. You're going to sell the hell out of it. So if you serve and have some great referral strategies in place, game changer, game changer, you just win, you just win. And if you're a good person, which I would imagine every single last human being listening to this is, then you would unconsciously and consciously sabotage yourself and create some sort of, you know, psychological illness every time that you do a sale that you know you shouldn't. And who knows what the compound repercussion of that is. So the name of the game is service at all levels. Such a great point. And another element that, that I've noticed in that is when you're following this ABC 
uh, formula always be closing, you become an outcome junkie. All you care about is the outcome that you have in your mind. And so everything about you is trying to enforce you getting to that outcome. Right? It's like, imagine having sex and all you care about is the orgasm you will not enjoy the experience of sex because you just want to okay, get to the point as quick as possible. And then you got there and it's done. The whole experience will not be as memorable. It won't be as enjoyable. And quite frankly, it won't be as good. You know, the performance of the whole thing for both people is going to be lowered. And I feel you're going to be very tense if you are in a sales call and you only focus on the clothes. And with that tension, guess what? You're not going to remember the sort of uh, mental uh, uh, mindset uh, uh, frameworks to deliver a great session, to ask the questions that are going to evoke the answers you need to serve the per person in the, uh, in the best possible way. So ABC just makes you highly ineffective. And so then what's true is this old saying, it's a numbers game. Yeah, because you're going to need to speak to 100 people to close 10 because you're so highly ineffective of delivering a powerful experience where people are going to go, damn, I want to have more of that. And you just touched on something, which is referrals, right? And that's something that you really solidified in my approach even more so in building a business through referrals using this formula of always be serving. And I would love to love for you to speak into this, how we can build a multi six figure and even seven figure business primarily through referrals. Mm, thank you. Well, there's so many ways to go about referrals. Um, and one thing that I think that I'd like to share is, is um, the referral triangle, which is a very valuable tool. It's actually, it's actually a game changer. But before I get onto that, um, you know, something that I heard um, my mentor, Jay Abraham, speak into is this idea of geometric growth. So very often as business owners, we're looking to acquire new customers. And we spend all of our time on ads and sales trying to get the new customer. But what if one customer, every, for every new customer you brought into a business, they were to refer you three and two of those became a client. And then they said, referred you three and two of them created, uh, um, became a client. You cannot out Facebook ads that kind of geometric growth. It's, it's, you wouldn't even need ads, actually. You wouldn't even need them. Yeah. And so if you can put systems in place to make sure that that's guaranteed, that's a game changer. If you have a look at somebody like Alex Hormozzi, what Alex Hormozzi does, incredible entrepreneur, one of the things that he does, he acquires businesses and he triples their value without spending any more money on acquiring a new customer. Because he does things like he plays the offer. And one of the things that he does as well is he optimizes the lifetime value. And one of those things is referrals. Let's bring in referrals. So the next question is, well, how do I get more referrals? Well, the number one thing is, actually, probably, that's probably the second one, actually. Well, I say it as a number one because it's probably more dramatic. The number one thing is ask for them. Ask for them. You know, the number one reason why most people, most salespeople don't get the sale because they don't ask for it. The number one reason why most um, business owners don't get referrals because they don't ask for them. Ask, like actually ask. Um, next question is, well, how, how do you ask? And there's multiple ways you can ask. I mean, I, I, I can share the referral triangle if you think that'd be useful. 
Um, the other thing is, you know, you can make it a part of being doing business with you. You know, just something I learned from Jay Abraham is, you know, when, when you have your first session or first meeting with a new client, you let them know the lay of the land, what, what you expect from them and what you expect, um, what, what they can expect from you, et cetera. And then you can say to them, look, my intention is to, and the second rule is to serve them so powerfully that they're actually going to want to refer you. That's the other thing, because they're going to put their good name and reputation on the line to refer you. Um, and he just says, make it a part of doing business. And what you get to do is let them know your intentions, let them know that you intend to over deliver and say to them, once I have over delivered, I put all of my energy into the business and less energy into acquiring new customers. So I want to give you the best possible value and service that you can imagine. And when you, my request to you is that when you feel that I've over delivered, if you would send to me and connect me with at least two high quality as equally high quality as you referrals, and I will serve them. And after I've served them, if we feel like it's aligned, we can work together. You just pre-frame them and let them know. Um, I'll pause here unless you want me to carry on, but there's 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 more I can speak this is, into. This is this is really really good, and I I want to take a moment back and to really just dissect what you just said because it's so powerful. If you look at the nature of business and where most businesses spend their money, time, and attention. Marketing is a huge part of that. Take coaching. There are so many coaches out there. And if you are one of those and you feel triggered, I'm sorry. I still love you. And this is an opportunity for you to learn. There are so many coaches out there who are really not coaches, but marketers. They have perfected the art of marketing. They are on, they have 50 to 100,000 or more followers on social media. They know exactly what to say. They hit the right pain points in the right way. They have the best graphics and video editing skills and you name it. But then once you step into their program and you've paid like $10,000, you're like, uh, what? Really? That, this is it? I've heard, I've, I, don't, I can't count the number of people that have shared this experience with me. I've had this experience myself. Where I've stepped into a you saying you right stepped into yep. multiple containers where it was the the door looked like nirvana like oh my goodness all my problems will be solved finally and then you open up and you're like what the heck is this and that's because of what you just said that's because so many people spend most of their time money and energy on marketing which means they're not spending the money on fulfillment. They're not spending the money on becoming a better entrepreneur and up-leveling their skills. Like I've just invested $60,000 in my one-on-one -on -one coach. That's a lot of money for me. That's like more than I've ever invested. And the coach that I'm working with, he's not a marketing or business expert. Quite the contrary. I know way more about business and marketing than he does, but he's one of the best coaches in the world. And he delivers in a way where I'm like, oh, holy shit. And then I learned from that and I give that to my clients. And I remember the first session after I had my session with him and I stepped into my coaching container, people were like, holy shit, Mari, what happened to you? Wow. And that's where my focus is. So I love what you're saying about, you know, building a referral based business because it allows you to take away that time, energy and money and focus on becoming a better service provider, better entrepreneur, developing better products and services, and really satisfying the needs of your customers. 
so that you don't need to invest that much money, time and energy into marketing. So I wanted to Thank intersect you. that because I think it's so important to, to, to look at. Thank you. And if I could just, it's, a, it's a beautiful point. And it's so true. And it's, it, again, it's time but under the idea of service as well. Because fundamentally, that's why we're, we're in the game, right? To be the best, at least this is, this is certainly my own projection into the field, you know, yeah. to be the best that we possibly do in the industry. You know, if you're going to do it, do it well. Um, you know, the other thing is it gives you control. If you have a really, if you have dialed in referral systems in place in your business, Facebook algorithms can die. Your Instagram account can die. Da, 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 da. All these systems can go. You can get blocked from whatever it might be, but you know that all 10 clients in your group coaching program are going to get you the next 10, the next 20. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah. And they get better results. But mm -hmm. why? Because you're reinvesting back in them. And going back to this idea of service and sales, what's more important, conviction in your program when it comes to selling or your sales skills? Answer, conviction, all the time, all the time. And the diagram I'd like to share with this is if you're going to, <clears throat> you know, when it comes to you know, actually getting a sale in a sales conversation, if we were to weigh the two together, conviction in your services and your sales skills, you'd have to rank sales skills on a scale of one to 10 and conviction on a scale of one to 100. It's weighted that much more powerfully. You know, you can go and see a movie and absolutely love it and tell all of your friends about it. When I first got a Nutribullet, do you have those uh, where, in where, Nutribullet? Yeah, I think it's like global. When I first got a Nutribullet, I told so many of my friends about the Nutribullet. Genuinely, I think four or five people said, do you work for them? I'm not even joking. <laughs> I, you know, seriously. Why? Because I fucking loved it. I was like, look, you can take it to work with you. And da, da, da. It's amazing. You know, why? Because it was so good. It was yeah. so good. And it makes it so easy to sell when your conviction is through the roof because you buy, you bypass everything. You know, this woman I just had a conversation with and I'm paying her $2,000 so she can go shopping with me. Okay. Genuinely. 15 minutes we're on the call. 15 minutes. She knows she's the dog's bollocks. I know she is. Thanks very much. How much? Yes. Boom. Because I know she's great. It was conveyed. Thank you. She didn't need, say, she didn't need a 19 minute presentation. She didn't need it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Very passionate about neutral bullets there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, if you haven't had a neutral bullet, underneath here you can get the discount code <laughs> William Griffin Neutral Bullet. Da, 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 da. I cashed in eventually. <laughs> I did William twenty five to get twenty five percent off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so true. It's so true. And if you think about, it, you'll see it everywhere. Take politics for once for for one moment i mean take the example of a donald trump on the surface on paper undeniably there are probably a million or even more way more qualified people to be be, be the man that he is to lead the way that he leads right to so become the president of the united states but when he was voted united uh, become the president of the united states he was voted based on conviction when the man spoke People were like, wow, he really means that. He really means America first. He wants the best for us. Whether that's true or not doesn't even matter because people felt his conviction. When you're in the presence of some of what you said earlier of a spiritual leader and you feel that sense of trembling, that's because that person is at a level of conviction of what he or she believes in that is just 
overwhelmingly powerful because Thank they you. walk the talk. They embody what they sell. They don't have to use manipulation. They don't have to convince you of anything. They are just, you know, when you look at a tree, at a mighty oak tree, they don't need to read an explanation of why this is a mighty tree. No, you look at it and you're like, wow, this is incredible. You feel that presence. And when you bring that into your services as an entrepreneur, game over. Thank you. over, right? You no longer have to struggle. You know, it reminds me as well of NLP, this idea of frames. Your frame is your frame of reference of how you perceive the reality. And the idea is whoever's got the strongest frame wins. Whoever's got the most conviction wins. If your frame is undeniably grounded in conviction of the value of what you were selling, that translates energetically in the way that you show up. It's felt. And also the other pieces as well, going back to this idea of service and making your product better. When you make your product better, especially if you have, well, no matter what it is, you, you see the results. So let's say we take coaching, for example. When you get really, really, really good and your clients get really, really great results, your conviction goes up, which means you get to charge more. And it means you get to charge more and own it. And then you have more money to reinvest to make not only yourself better by investing in better coaches, which makes your program better, but you get to reinvest back into the program, hire yeah. support coaches, this and da da da. And therefore you get to make it even more expensive. And before you know it, or a higher investment, I should say, and before you know it, like who's competing with you? You're Amazon. And you're like, yeah, you should have focused on circus, mate. Uh, circus, service. Uh, you circus fool. Um, you know, because now who's competing with Amazon? No one. Because yeah. he didn't take a shortcut in the name of profit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So important. And you, you, you just dropped another thing in there that I want you to elaborate. Raising prices. That's something you talk about a lot. Right? That's like, I remember the first conversation you and I had, you asked me about how much I was charging. And then you told me, you need to charge more. And I remember many conversations where I shared with you, hey, I just signed a new client at this rate and I'm super happy. And you were celebrating me. And then you were like, okay, now it's time to raise your price. And I'm like, God damn it, motherfucker. <laughs> oh God, not again. Right. And now I understand that philosophy and I, and I agree with it and I use it for my own clients as well. And I would love for you to speak into why you think raising prices for an entrepreneur, for a service-based entrepreneur is so important and how do you do it? Thank you. Really, really good. Well, the most important thing is fundamentally what you charge is highly subjective nine times out of ten especially in the, you know, the arena that I play with, which is coaches, because fundamentally the, 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 the transformation that coaches are providing is priceless. You can't actually quantify it fundamentally. You know, if you help somebody overcome a challenge with their self-love, let's say, for example, and one of their patterns was to get into toxic relationships and now that's eradicated and they find their dream man. How do you put a price on that? But then it keeps going. The next thing is, well, what about all their children? How do you put a price on the children they have? What about all those really nice moments they have, the early morning coffee, the holidays they go on? Put a price on the whole thing. What about all the generational trauma that you help them work through so they're not passing that down to their kids? And their kids who have 15 kids and da-da-da, it's geometric. Suddenly the compound effect is massive. It's one of the reasons why I'm so all in on coaching because the actual effect it can have on our whole species is massive. Yeah. Um, so fundamentally, it's prices. How do you price the prices offer? It's offering. It's totally subjective. 
It really is totally subjective. And I, I, I don't think anyone can really tell me otherwise. So the first thing is subjective. So how do you price yourself? You need to find out what your, what your edge is fundamentally. You know, if charging 10 grand is too much for you and charging eight grand is too less, then where do you go? Eight and a half, nine and a half, nine and a half. Close to 10 as possible and stay at that edge. Stay at that edge. So that's the first thing. So that's how you'd price it. Why is it important if you're a service-based entrepreneur to increase your prices? Well, I think a couple of things. It's good to make money. I think good people with money do more good things. Money is an expander. But also if we focus on the client, I focus on service. If you are a type of entrepreneur that, and the work that you do requires your clients to show up, then you need, they need to have skin in the game. And what I've observed is the more skin, the more somebody invests, and they're a better quality client anyway, which means they get better results. Which means my conviction in what I do goes up, which means I get to charge my, my prices go up, my program becomes better. Um, but also they show up better. They actually show up. You know, <clears throat> what's the difference between, you know, something, I, I always go back to coaching because that's, my, that's my, my wheelhouse. You know, if you have a look at, you know, mental health versus physical health. I can slip you antibiotics and you will become cured, whether you like it or not, whether you know you've taken them or not. But if I force you to an AA meeting and you want to give up booze, or if I force you to a shrink's office for your depression and you do not want to be there, it will not work. Why? Because one of the fundamental tenets, there's five of them, that means that makes therapy and this type of work, coaching, consulting, etc., at work is the client participating. And the more skin they got in the game, the more they're going to participate. Now, if you back that with a friggin' shit hot coach, you're laughing. The challenge, and the ch which you spoke to earlier, in our industry, there's a lot of great marketers who aren't actually that, that great coaches. And so people get stunned because they put all this money up. They're really, really excited. They get see behind the curtain. Instead of going, oh, my God, this is worth 10 times the amount. Wicked. They go, really? It's just that drivel. And it's kind of having, it's having a huge ne negative effect on our industry. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, because it's almost like God's sense of humor was to make the best coaches in the world the most humble, actually. And, and very oftentimes the ones that charge the least. So one of my missions is to completely change that. And uh, got a long way to go on that. But um, we're seeing it through to the end, that's for sure. Mm. Um, so in summary, why, why it, do you have a duty to charge more for your prices? Well, all of the above. I'll just bullet point it again. All of the above. Yeah. And I, I'm 100% I'm in alignment with that. And at the same time, I find it's one of the most challenging things to do because you read, you said it earlier. You said one of the reasons why most people don't close sales is because they don't ask for it. And even saying, even when I went through it, I remember there was a moment where you challenged me to double my prices. And then I felt this inner sense of like, this sense of anxiety coming up in me. I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is weird. Right. And then it translated tr straight into, am I worth that kind of money? Am I worth charging 10, 20, 30, 50, $60,000? And what really helped me to change that was to actually be the person who makes that kind of investment in other people first. And I see this as a major struggle. People selling things that they're not willing to invest in themselves. And if you're not walking your own talk, 
you will never truly be in alignment with the kind of money that you would like to charge somewhere in the back of your mind. You always end up be dabbling. And, you know, if you if your coach challenges you to charge 10,000 and you would normally charge 5,000, but you have never invested 10,000 in another coach, there's a part of you which will always go fraud and it will never be real. How do you view that? It's a great point. I've never had that problem. <laughs> I've never had that problem. I've always been. I remember the, I, before I even knew what coaching was in 2016, I just found out this new idea of what a coach was. And, it, you know, now it's this huge thing. Like it's it's when I started, it wasn't what it is today. That it, yeah. There wasn't this this world of Instagram coaching. It's a very, very mm -hmm. different game. And uh, cut a long story short, I ended up in the office of somebody that that let's say a top, top, top life coach. And I just wanted to go and get a free consultation with him. It turned out that actually it was a sales pitch, and uh, which is cool, fair enough. And it was, it was, it was wonderful. I was mesmerized by him, unbelievably charming. And he told me the investment. The investment was £6,000 for six sessions. And I thought, fuck. I actually, went, I actually said to him, do you mind if I have a cigarette on your balcony? He, he looked at me and I said, mm. and he let me. Because um, I was blown away. I was like, whoa. And I was like, this is either bullshit or it's going to change my life. And I said, I'll give you 24 hours. I didn't have six grand. And I remember thinking to myself, fuck it, I'm just doing it. I remember sending my girlfriend at the time, she goes, do it. I did it. And it did change my life. It changed my life for different reasons, actually. It changed my life because I realized, wow, this guy wasn't any good. And it, he actually really wasn't good. He really wasn't good, didn't care. Um, but it made me realize there was a whole world of coaching. And I thought, if this guy is making half a million a year, I'm going to be a billionaire. Thanks very much. Within three months, I closed down my business. I became a coach. So I'm glad. There's always value on the other side of an investment. Always. My whole entire life changed because of that six grand investment. And not necessarily for the reasons why. Very often, it's not the reasons why we hire them in the first place. And as a result, there's so many other coaches that I'm supporting because I ended up going on the journey I went through. So, so. That's my little side segue. But you make a really, really good point. If you are not willing to invest X, then you have to ask yourself the question, um, do I also get to charge X? And that's an interesting, I don't necessarily, there's, a, there's, a black, there's probably a gray area to that, but I think underneath it, underneath it fundamentally has got to be a sense of conviction in the game. If you're not convinced enough that hiring a coach for X is going to be such a game changer, then you've got to ask yourself the question, are you convinced in what you're doing, actually? And it always goes back down to that idea of service. How do you increase your conviction? Serve more. Serve better. Yeah. Focus on your clients. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting point. And all of what you're saying comes from a deeper sense of awareness a deeper sense of cultivating what's important for you and how do you get to the things in life that are important to you right because all of this conversation that you and I are having today is stemming from a very different level of consciousness and there's something another thing that i've really taken to heart in what you have shared with me and that is that principle of slowing down slow down right you say it all the time you like in, in your sessions you're you often go okay let's slow down let's slow it really down let's take a moment let's take a moment right you you do that a lot and mm -hmm. that used to be my absolute nightmare 
I'm like, what the hell is this guy's telling me? I don't got time for that. I got bills to pay. I got goals to achieve. I mean, what do you mean slowing down? I got all this time. I don't want, I want to speed up. What do you mean? And in the beginning, obviously, I didn't get that. Now, that's part of my success recipe, thanks to you. And so talk about the power of slowing down and how that is one of the main keys for entrepreneurial success. Mm, thank you so much. <clears throat> There's so much that we can speak into on this idea of slowing down. I think the main, the, maybe, maybe it's best described by an analogy. You know, if you're looking, let's say you're looking for your house keys and you're in a hurry and you're late somewhere and you really need to find your house keys. You've got two options fundamentally. You could tear your house apart in a fast, frantic rush, or you can stop, pause, breathe, be in the now, play back what's occurred in your mind, go, right, well, hand second, when did I came home, what happened? Oh, yeah, I was on the phone. Oh, yeah, for example, in my, in my, I live, and there's monkeys, I live on a cliff, and there's monkeys here in Bali. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I didn't want to leave my keys out because the monkeys might come and grab them, so I hid them here. Put it on, slow down, open it. It took me, I got, I actually got the keys much quicker than if I had turned my house upside down. I didn't turn my house up upside down. I was cool, calm, collected. I get to chuckle to myself that I beat the monkeys this time. And I get my keys and I strut out the door. And that occurred from slowing down. So that's the introduction for slowing down. Um, how would you like me to dimensionalize slowing down? Because, you know, we can go into so many different categories of the idea. So I just thought that would be like a high level. You know, it's, you, you make better decisions when you're not in a hurry. You make better decisions when you, when you, when you slow down. That's yeah. one high level understanding of the idea. Yeah, yeah. And that's part of sort of understanding how the nervous system works when, whenever you are in a fear driven, reactive uh, state, your thinking narrows down. And something that I want to bring in here, and then I want to have you guide the conversation into uh, what slowing down does when you're with another person, which is also part of the sales conversation. But if you want to learn new habits, if you want to apply a new mindset that you picked up from a book, from a coach, a podcast, whatever, something today here, by the nature of how your mind works, the moment you go into a reactive, rushed, fear-driven state, it is virtually impossible for you to apply new learnings. Why? Because the brain will go to a survival place because of the nature of, of where it's in in this fear state. So what it does it do? It refers to what it already knows. Because that creates a sense of safety, sense of, sense of control. Everything that you don't know that is new to you requires you to step outside of your comfort zone. So by the nature of it, if you do not slow down as an entrepreneur, you are destined to repeat the same things over and over and over again. And that often leads to failure. So I wanted to intersect that because it's really important to really even understand how the mind operates. And now I would love for you to speak about what slowing down does for people when they are in a conversation, in a sales conversation. Mm. I think it does a lot of things. I think when you, when you, when, when you slow down conversations, you're able to get a lot more depth. 
Mm. And so if you're inside a sales conversation, you know, let's say you get inside a conversation, a sales conversation. If you're just hurrying to the close, you might miss so much. You might miss so much. You know, you, you, you might find you meet somebody and they're a referral and you know they're in the bag. You just, they're just in the bag. Their friend told you they're in the bag. The person referred, they told you, look, I'm going to be a yes. And if you just kind of go, all right, you know, I know they're a yes. I'm feeling really confident. Their friend picked me up, said it's a yes. They said, look, I want to work with you. And then you send them the invoice and they bother getting a sales call with them. They see the 10 grand. They might be like, ah, fuck. Actually, they might second guess it because you haven't taken your time. What you get to do when you slow down is you get to build rapport with somebody. You get to find out what they really, really want. You get to see them. You know, one of the one of the metaphors I like to, to share with my clients when it comes to selling, it's like no matter what you think you think you know about the person in front of you, pretend they are a blurry, highly pixelated image. Through the process of slowing down and asking them deep questions, you get to turn that image from blurry to HD definition. Now, when you have then, when it's HD definition, you see them, you actually see them. And when you actually see, see them and you've taken your time to convert them from blurriness to HD definition, number one, you just built some rapport. That's like serious rapport right there, which means they're way more likely to trust you, which means they're way more likely to say yes. Why do people give objections fundamentally? And why do people say no? Because they're afraid of making the wrong decision. So what you get to do is slow it all down and help them feel safe with you. The first thing is, it's delicious to have somebody actually care. Curiosity is a form of love. Taking your time to get deeply curious about somebody or, or vice versa, when somebody else genuinely, isn't it lovely when somebody re is really interested in you and you do all the talking? It's a wonderful thing to, be, to receive. You get to gift that to somebody. It's a form of serving inside an aromal conversation. Also, it's highly strategic because you actually get to see them. And when you see somebody, you know how to speak to them you know how to serve them, and you know how to sell to them. And so you want to make sure that you can see somebody. Now, slowing down doesn't necessarily mean having two hours with somebody or 15 conversations, but it means slowing down in the appropriate amount of time for this human being that you're in front of so that you get to see them. And that could be different for everybody. It could be different for you, your services, everything could be different. Um, I just told you, you know, <clears throat> this lady has got two grand off me in 15 minutes. It's perfect. She slowed down. She asked me questions. It was great. And in her asking the exact question she asked me, it built rapport and I knew I was in safe hands straight away. So slowing down doesn't have to be two hours. It can be 15 minutes. It can be a moment. But it's about just slowing everything down. You also get control when you slow things down. You get much more control. You have options to pause, reflect and think and ask a superior question than if you're in a hurry. You're allowed to pause. You're allowed to be a human. You're allowed to speak into, hang on a second, I need to think. I've actually got three questions that I want to ask you. And I want to make sure that I ask you the right one next. Two sex. Good. Humanize them. It's not about being, look at me, I'm high and mighty. No, I'm a leader, but I'm equal fundamentally. Where else is slowing down useful? And there's many ways. But that's, I would say, for a sales conversation, that's, that's really it. And really, just to go back to my initial point is, if you're too in a hurry to get to the kill, get to the end, you might blow the whole thing.
You know, so one thing I say to my clients is, you know, for example, let's just say that you are slowing, being fast can ruin everything when it comes to client creation. Let's say you are having a coffee with somebody and you're inside a conversation. They ask you what you do and you tell them, you tell some case studies and they're like, oh my God, I want to hire you. What's the price? Don't tell them. Nine times out of 10, slow it down. You need to get to know them first. You need to take them on a journey of self-understanding. How can you even give them a remedy if you haven't got the diagnosis? You need to really make, they might just need, remember that glass of water analogy? Don't sell them too much or too little. You need to take your time to actually uncover who this person is and what they need and if you're the best person to help them. Not, oh my God, buying signals, I need to get the sale. And what you might find is if you'd slow down, that two grand package, they might have said yes to in 15 minutes, whatever it might be over coffee. Actually, what you might find is they just they bought a six figure five year package off you, whatever it might be, because you slow down and really understood what was going on. So slowing down brings forth so much more control, so much more clarity, so much more conviction from you and from them. And um, in every single last part of the client creation process, you are better off slowing down even and especially when the impulse is to go faster. There's another analogy that came to mind as you were speaking, and that is imagine going on a date. First time you met the person, right? You may, may have swiped. What do you swipe, right or left on Tinder? I'm not in that world. No, me too. I think you swipe left, right? If you feel like somebody is a good match. I don't know. Um, Imagine you met this person for the first time. Most of the sales approach that service-based entrepreneurs have, if this, if they were to go on a date with that person is after 20 minutes, would you like to marry me? Do you want to have kids? And you were like, whoa, hold, whoa, hold your horses. And I feel this is exactly where slowing down comes in, where you're like, no, no, we're not in a rush here. Let's get to know each other a bit better. Let's just see if you and I are even a fit for a longer term commitment. And if we're not, that's fine as well. I'm not here to push you into anything. I'm not here to manipulate you into anything of that. No, if you're not, we, we can be friends, right? And then maybe you become friends with the person and say, you know what? You know what? You should actually meet my other friend. She's single too. And she, I, I, I think you guys, you guys would be perfect. And then she introduces you, which is a referral, and you guys hit it off. But that only came into being because you were not in a hurry. You slowed down. You took your time. And with that, you embodied what you said earlier. You embodied a sense of safety. Any high-ticket investment comes with a higher degree of risk by the very nature of that. So you're asking the other person to take a bigger risk. That creates a sense of like, oof, okay, there's more to lose here. What if this is not the right decision? But if you get to be the one, hey, I get it. I'm asking you for a lot. I, I totally get it. Let's slow down. Let's not make a rush decision. There's another coach, which you and I both uh, uh, greatly respect, Rich Litvin. He's, he's a true master at this. He, whenever... And that, when I read that, when I heard that story, him telling that story, I was like, damn, he, what he does is when people say, yes, I want to work with you and working with him, I think is somewhere between a hundred to $200,000 for the year. He's like, let's wait a minute. Let's slow it down. I want you to really 
really reflect on if you're really truly ready for making that investment. And if you, if somebody did that with me after I said, yes, I want to work with them, I'd be like, damn, this guy is really convinced about what he does. Holy shit. Hell yeah. I want to work with you. I want to be like that. My goodness. So as we wrap up the conversation, I really, 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 really want to highlight this for anybody listening take if you take only one thing from this conversation and there were many things take this slow down take a deep breath in fact let's take a deep breath now everything will reveal itself to you when you slow down because by the very nature of an abundant mindset it's all already here. Everything you want is already here. Everything you need to get to what you want is already right here in front of us. And I will never forget that coaching session I had with you where I came to you and I was like, oh man, I just don't know how to get more clients. You know, I just don't know the way to market and, and, and get more into more conversations. And you were like, let's slow it down. And after five minutes, I was like, oh my goodness. There are like 500 ways for me that I know and how to create more clients. And I came to the session feeling frenetic, feeling like, shit, shit, I don't know, I don't know. And it was not that I don't know. It was that I was rushing and you helped me slow down. So I think what you provided today was extremely valuable. As always, I deeply appreciate you, my friend. And I want to ask you two more questions as we wrap up. And that is, What's an invitation you have for anybody who is still listening? And two, what's the best way people can connect with you and take on that invitation? Thank you. Thank you. What's my invitation? Well, my invitation, so you, you, your listeners, I believe, are all entrepreneurs. Fundamentally, I think the, the number one principle of entrepreneurship is focusing on service, focusing on offering the best possible value that you possibly can always and in every way constantly and know that it's a never-ending you will never ever 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 arrive but you should always be striving to get better and better and better and offer more and more and more and more value and focus on obsessing as jeff baseball says over the quality of your work and what you do because in the long run short term and medium term as far as i'm concerned that is going to serve you and your clients and the world as best to the highest degree possible focus on service and everything will come back to you 10x, if not 100x. Um, number one, focus on service. That is my invitation. Obsessively focus on service. Um, and if you really want that point to slam dunk home, type in 1999 Jeff Bezos interview on YouTube and watch this lovely seven minute video of him talking about how he's obsessed at Amazon with their customers. And it will really allow that to sink in because you're watching that knowing that he ended up becoming the richest man in the world. And it's just my favorite, my favorite clip of an entrepreneur before he's become a titan, owning, owning his principles. And what he was earning was offering value and serving fundamentally. Um, and then thank you very much. So the way that uh, people can connect with me at the moment is Instagram. So that's the best way to get hold of me. It's William underscore underscore Griffin at Instagram. Um, currently I do two things. I work with uh, coaches primarily, helping them become fully booked without having to use social media or paid ads. And I also do one-on-one -on -one work with entrepreneurs as well. Um, 
yes, and you're very, very welcome to to uh, reach out. And also something I did mention, which was the referral triangle, it really is a game changer. So if you're a service-based entrepreneur, um, really, yes, service-based entrepreneur probably wouldn't work with products necessarily. And you are interested in what the referral triangle is. I have a 10-minute video, which I'm very, very happy to share with you. Um, we didn't get time to get into it now, and it's probably actually going to serve you better to actually watch the 10-minute video of me really breaking it down. But it really is a game changer when it comes to lead generation, um, and it means that every single last client you have will create the next client and the next client and the next client. So if any of your listeners, it's a special gift I'll offer just to, to your listeners, Mario, you good, good man. Um, so they're very welcome to hit me up on Instagram and ask for that, William underscore underscore Griffin. Instagram. Beautiful. I will be sure to add all of that in, into the show notes, uh, the link on how to connect with you, the link to the video. Um, and I cannot say this enough. Please connect with William. Um, we're both coaches and I can just speak highly of connecting with him. We have a similar approach. Um, he's a master at what he does. He's truly in it with his heart. Uh, zero manipulation, just pure love as he often speaks about he truly walks the talk on that and as always my brother thank you very much for being here and for gifting your time and your presence and the sp creating the space with me today you are uh, a beast in a positive way in what you're delivering in the world you are very much a gift uh, to all of us and um, yeah thank you to the listener uh, for being here on this journey and supporting both of us in uh, sharing this message with the world. And if you feel this was an important message, please share it with a friend or two so that more people get to enjoy this content. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sending you so much right. love. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.